and welcome to another episode of the Blackstock Triangle, an Arsenal podcast. My name is Sean. You can find me on various social media outlets. Um, I because of because of Alex and the spaces we did was it two weeks ago. I did get a Twitter account again, so that's Blackstock Sean B. Uh, you can also find me on various other places under my full name, which is Sean Brown. With me today is Alex. Alex, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Where can we find you on the various socials, Alex? Yes, so I am on social media. I mean, although I, I will confess, I, I am the one that sort of uses the Blackstock Triangle Pod uh, Twitter probably the most. Um, but my, yeah, I can be found on various social medias as well. I'm at King Kinsey on Twitter or X, sorry, as it's called. Um, and I'm actually, that, that's that. it to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so that's what i'm called uh, that's yeah that's my username and actually you know what these days that's pretty much all that i'm on i don't really use much else i don't have time <laughs> what's the remind remind everyone of the pods at on twitter it's at black stock triangle pod um, all right so yeah feel free to join that community yeah Try sorry it's incorrect going. that's oh. incorrect that Scratch is incorrect that. it's at black stock pod that's what it is. Oh, yeah. I remember when I created it, I wanted to keep it simple. Yep. At Blackstock Pod. That's what it is. My mistake. And right, yeah, mine's at, at King Kinsey, if that makes sense. But you know what? The ads, I'll tell you what, our um, usernames will be in the description of the Blackstock Pod. How's that? I'll, I'll add them in. Okay, good. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, while you're here, we just want to thank you very much for downloading and listening. Uh, please give us a, a rating, a like, a subscribe, uh, a review, preferably a good one, obviously. But we'll take we'll take your constructive feedback. Uh, any anything you can do to help the pod out? Tell a friend. Tell your mom. I mean, if she's a footy fan, then you do. I mean, otherwise, why would you do that to her? <laughs> but anything you can do to help out, we would love it. So. It's hard to figure out. So, so we're we're a little bit removed now from the the Champions League, the midweek game. We've had a little time to digest it. You've probably consumed all of the sort of instant reactions on the whistle pods, uh, the ones that that sort of um, maybe gave you place to to sort of vicariously vent. So now now that we're here, since we don't do those yet, maybe we don't ever. I don't know. We haven't, we haven't decided yet. We haven't talked about those things. But we're almost we're we're you know closer to forty eight hours removed from Porto now, and we can finally ask the big questions like, Alex, what the heck was that? Yeah, um, that's a, <laughs> that, yeah, that's a damn good question. What was that? Uh, you, you know what? I, I have to say, that's probably. I was a bit a bit optimistic and you know I didn't probably take in as many variables when I predicted a 4-1 win to Arsenal and what I mean by that I so just so because you weren't here but in the previous pod with Wissam and Nelly I predicted uh 4-1 to Arsenal um and to be honest that was just based on the fact that we were just in such good scoring form but one thing I, I failed to probably think about which I should have and obviously hindsight has perfect vision um was that we lack we lack experience in the Champions League and there was such a level of naivety with how we played um, that it just makes me feel like we will not win 
the Champions League this year. There's absolutely, I, I honestly, I think I can almost categorically say we're not going to win it. Um, yeah, what was that? Uh, what the heck was that? As you mentioned, uh, that's, yeah, inexperience and naivety. How's that? That's a really fair point. I it, because it, it came to me also during that game. And by the way, this is I still feel this way, despite the fact that I'm still very confident we'll get to this more in a little bit but i'm still very confident we advance out of this tie but i still watching that you could see the lack of experience you could see how much the nerves were playing into you know misplaced passes without any pressure on you know on the on the passer just the kinds of things you you look at and you say this is a team that is not ready and the only way that you get ready by doing it enough to where you're not overawed by the moment. And I think that, that, that we looked very overawed by the moment. Now, I, again, I still think that we're good enough to rescue this one, but you're right. It wasn't just like, oh, we played badly, so we're not going to win the Champions League. And I don't think that's what you were saying, by the way. But I don't think that's that what it was. It, it occurred to me at the, the, during that game also, like, yeah, this team's not ready. It's a different yeah. environment. It's a different competition, and it brings with it a different type of of reaction and nerves, and a different type of mindset that you need to to navigate. And the only you know the only way you can do that is to do it. And typically, I think it, it, this team is not so good that they can just win it on talent right you're gonna you're gonna need experience and outside of a few players we just don't have it and it really 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 showed in this one yeah 100%, yeah I, to I totally agree and i think you know don't quote me on this but i when, when i looked at the team and i had a look at the players i thought hang on a sec is there one player in our whole starting 11 that has actually been to a champions league knockout game like played in a champions league knockout game because i looked around and i thought there's only habits that i that's actually played in the champions league knockouts i mean you think if, if we go through the team right raya kivior gabriel saliba ben white declan rice habits as i mentioned odegaard saka trossard and martinelli can you yeah, name yeah, do any of them have any of them played in a knockout stage of Champions League? I don't think so. Maybe Odegaard when he was at Real Madrid, maybe. Yeah, but, but but if that's the case, it probably would have been like if Real Madrid was slapping, you know, the other team, and he came on for like in in like extra time for a few minutes because he was like what well, he was what 15, 16, 17. Like they wouldn't yeah. have started him, you know. So I'm not going to count that if that is the case. I'm not counting that because that's not experience. That's just like you know, it's just sort of a a, a novelty doing that. To right, some that's players, a cameo. Really. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So when you look at it like that, you think, hmm, okay, these guys, and, and I'll be honest, how we conceded the goal, which listen, we'll get onto this probably a bit later, but how we conceded the goal really probably outlined what we're saying to an absolute T when we talk about inexperience and naivety, but we'll get into that in a bit later. Yeah, I think so. And the question then becomes, you know, when you contextualize this game, what is it that you want to emphasize? So, uh, I took a writing course when I was in grad school. And one of the things that I learned in that course, which I don't know, a lot of people may have already known. And I, I don't know, maybe you know this instinctively, but one of the things they taught us was like, when you write a, a you know, a sentence or a paragraph, the last thing that you 
mention it's going to be the one that sticks with people so like so i watched or, or another example so i watched it's it's high school musical season here in the states uh the spring high school musicals and so i was watching the one at my kids school because they do the lights there and it was both good and long and so which one of those you emphasize last is the one that's going to stick with you so if i say oh it was good but it was long that means something entirely different than i say oh it was long but it was good and so now we can start to think about how we want to use something like that to emphasize this game in terms of like, well, we lost, but we should still be fine. Or we should still be okay, but this was a wake-up call. And, and so we yeah. can think about it in those terms. Uh, do we want to do, do we want to think about mitigating factors first to make everyone feel better by the time we talk get to the end of this? Or do we want to do put get the mitigating factors out of the way first and leave everybody nervous and you know apprehensive going into the second leg because that's what we deserved yeah i mean i'd probably i'd probably go with the latter to tell you the truth um yeah it's just they were just oh look i'm not saying that i, I agree with what you said last time about how i think we could turn it around i think we can but i guess what i'm what i'm trying to say because there's been a lot of chat not necessarily from us on this podcast but a lot of chat from arsenal fans regarding how you know, we're, we're going to get to the final. We could win it. And I think this this result has probably really brought a lot of Arsenal fans down to earth, or at least I would have hoped. And look, and look I, I was I was confident because of, our, of how we were just so silky against West Ham and Burnley, and we looked like we could score. Now, I thought we would concede, but I thought, you know, I think we can score some goals because if we do score, it's probably going to open them up because they're going to have to try and obviously get back into the tie. Um, right, they 100% yeah. had to win that. Yes. And listen, they you could see the difference in how Porto played that game compared to us and what they were doing. And I know I saw on, on, on Twitter or next, whatever, I saw a lot of Arsenal fans saying, what are, like this referee, you know, 36, 35 fouls in a game, that's crazy. Oh, you know, every time the ball's in the box and there's a little bit of contact, you know, Porto players are going down. It's like, yeah, because this, this cha the Champions League, this tournament is not the Premier League. And Porto knew that and they understood that and they understood it better than what we did. And it showed, it showed massively. Um, look, with... Like I said, do I think we could turn it around? Yes, I do. But for me, uh, there is a lot of concern because you, best, I guess the best way to say this is that we don't have a lot of time to to sort of learn the tricks of the trade. Like we obviously, we will get better from that performance and we will, like I said, probably get through. But then whoever we get next, there's going to be a whole different challenge. And if it ends up being you know, a Real Madrid or a Man City, like it'll probably be a more open game, but they have the experience to understand the importance of, of, of you know, certain timings in the game, whenever to slow the game down and not just like, and you know, I'll just say this as well. That's where someone like Jorginho will definitely come in handy because he, he knows that to a T, but he came on yesterday. He didn't look very good, but then again, he came on in what 75th minute. It's like, you've missed most of the game, not up to speed yet. You know, it is what it is, but yeah, it's just lack of experience and naivety, man. It's it's it is a concern. You gotta, yeah. You have to wonder if he's still carrying that the the foot issue that had kept him. Yeah, absolutely. Kept him out. Yeah. So, could very well be the case. So let's well then let's talk mitigating factors since we want to do those first and then get to the concerning 
bits. Let's talk. Let's talk mitigating factors. Uh, first knockout game in seven years, and the nerves were obvious from the beginning. Um, same same starting 11, third game in a row, including a midweek. There could be some fatigue there. And by the way, only one sub from Arteta in this game. This really shows you either the state of, of even the players that were deemed healthy enough to get on the bench. Fabio Vera, I'm looking in your direction. Or, and or, and slash or, the amount of trust that Arteta has for those players right now. And part of the oh, being... Yeah. Not fully part of it being not match fit, but if you're chasing or well, you weren't chasing a goal really until the last kick of the game. So it makes me think that Arteta probably was playing for a nil nil and Arteta probably knew or maybe had a suspicion that a performance like this was feasible given everything that had been happening. You're due for you're due for a lackluster game when you've scored 21 goals in the last four. I mean, that's not really how probability works, but you can kind of you you, you realize that you're not going to play every game scoring four or five. It, we would probably do a performance, well, not this bad. We'd never do a performance this bad. But all things combining, it was like the the perfect storm to produce this particular result. So the nerves, obvious. The same team three games in a row, potential problem. You know, if there's some fatigue involved. Not for the, you know, for the third game in a row, at least not enough of a bench to make a difference, especially when you might not have actually been chasing a win in the game. The refereeing, I thought, was, I can't decide whether that's an issue or not. I think it was only in the sense of of what you mentioned, Alex, is that Porto knew how to play it and we didn't. I I don't think that. I don't think that he was magically bad for Arsenal and good for Porto. I just think Porto no. read I think Porto read the room. They read the game. Yeah. Yep. Right? Absolutely. And so by the way that that they found the perfect way to cancel out all our set piece dominance. Just have six guys fall over in the box and you'll get one of them. Yeah. At least. Yep. Yeah. And and, and you know it's just to go back to that naivety and, and experience. You think about Declan Rice in the first, what was it, first four minutes of the game getting a yellow card? You know, uh, maybe in the or Premier League. Yellow, could, by the way, in my opinion. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But once again, we talk about understanding, you know, the, the difference in competition. Yeah. You know, in the Premier League, is that a yellow card? No. no. But in Champions League, like I said, it's a diff- whole different ball game. Um, and once again, and, and listen, Declan Rice is a great player and he'll, he will learn from that. No doubt he'll learn from that. But you could that's you know that right there t- showed showed you and that was kind of almost like a a precursor of what was to come you know it was like okay <laughs> right that was the omen yeah. it's not going to be it could be a rough night but i will say this and i i think we may be being a little bit harsh on arsenal for being naive and maybe not harsh enough on the referee for his naivety like he just kept falling for it like like figure it out, guy. Like yeah, look, just keep falling for the same thing over and over and over and over again. I know like what the, you're saying. Yeah, the referee has to read this too. The referee can't be that naive either. And I yeah. agree. And look, Arsenal can't be and, naive. Yeah, but you got to stop falling for it eventually. Like, come on. Yeah, and and I think look, I think in the return leg we might see a, a different level of officiating. Um, that 
yeah, probably doesn't mirror what we saw against Porto. Um, so, look, we do have to be critical for sure. I, I, but what I would say is that after the first oh, 10 minutes of that game, you could see how he was going to officiate. And I don't think we adapted to that well enough. Um, and I'm not saying that his, rightly or wrongly, whether his, you know, his, his officiating was poor, definitely, well, at least I think so. Um, you know, you probably have some other fans saying that's not the case. But, you know, I definitely thought his officiating was could, could have been better. And he, he, you're right, he did keep falling for it. But I think it should have been up to us to make it less... Not, not not obvious, but less easy for Porto to sort of pull on that string. You know, there were there were times when I think we would give away certain fouls. Not all of every foul. There were some very soft fouls as well. I'm definitely not not arguing that. Um, but there were some fouls that I thought, oh, you know, what are we doing there? Like we know what this ref is doing. Just mm-hmm. don't. There's no need for you to do that. You know. Yeah. Um, so it's probably a mixture of both. And, and look, just, just going to the, the bench, uh, you, you mentioned the bench. Yeah, when I looked at that bench, I thought, man, we are light. Like we, and, you know, I think there were probably, I think it was three youngsters that were like three uh, youth team players or reserve players that were on the bench. And I was like, Oof. you know, including Carl Hine. We had, a, we had a third goalkeeper on the bench. I was like, wow, okay. Um, I think that's I think that's fairly standard in Champions League. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> I think it might be. Okay, because I was like, Ooh. you know, <laughs> I just are we that light? That name. <laughs> yeah, um, I was like I've seen that guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so you, you know, and, and when you add the fact that you got El Nenny and Cedric, and look, I'm once, once again, I keep saying this when I talk about Eddie and Ketia. I'm not a hater, but it's like when you got Ketia and, and Reese Nelson, uh, and you look at those youngsters that we have, more than half the bench. I was like, we can't really. Like we can't bring these players on to try and change the game, you know? And the, yeah, yeah. I agree it's with you. I just, I think ultimately, I don't, I don't believe Arteta was trying to win it. I think he would have very happy with a nil-nil. And honestly, after, after, you know, Galeno misses the two huge chances in the first half, which accounted for, I believe, an entire expected goal of their 1.19 expected goals. I would say after missing those two chances, a scoreless draw was about what was deserved. Now, obviously you can't just like brush away the two big chances they had, but they didn't score them. And after that, it should have been a nil nil. And, and I have, I don't think Arteta would have been at all unhappy with a nil nil. And you could see it. There were times where it looked like either team would have been happy with a nil-nil. There were times I was looking at that game. I was like, why are both teams time-wasting? It was it was very strange. But I think I think Porto used theirs a little bit better in that it kept Arsenal from being able to get more on top. It continued to stop the flow of the game, which is that was the biggest issue I had with the refereeing is that when you call 36 fouls in a 90, you know, 95-minute game, I think it was 95 minutes. I think it was one minute in the first half and four in the second. When you call 36 fouls in a 95-minute game in fifth, that's you have lost control of of allow like you've not allowed that game to develop and to flow. Like when was the last time Arsenal committed 22 fouls in a game? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, and and so and then all that sounds like excuse making, and I think it might be. 
but again, we're in we're in mitigating factors territory here first. So any others? I don't know that there are any other mitigating factors. We had no bench. Obviously, clearly very nervous. The game couldn't flow in part because of the officiating, in part because of our own naivete. Um, and that was really like that's probably about as bad as this team is capable of playing. I mean, that's the last mitigating factor for me is I don't think that they can play any worse. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think... Um, yeah, and uh, when you mentioned how Arteta probably wanted us to get a draw, you did, it, did, it did kind of feel like that, but... I just I think... think he, I, don't I, know that, I don't know that he went into the game wanting that, but I think there, there came a point, maybe a little earlier than we yeah. might normally have expected, where he was just like, no, that'd be fine. Yep. Yeah, no, I definitely, yeah. I, I, I know, what you, I, I can understand what you're saying there and I kind of think of like, yeah, okay. It's not It's not that I think he wanted the draw. I think he, I think he just, he probably looked at it and thought he couldn't really rotate any players. Bench is looking a bit weak. Um, okay, you know what? We'll try and go for it maybe for the first half. Didn't quite, well, first 60 minutes-ish. Didn't quite work. Okay, cool. Listen, we'll take a draw. Like, um, and that's fine. And I think, yeah, he would have taken it. 100%, I think he would have taken it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just, it once again, it's just, I, I, I keep harping on about it. It's just it, the, the naivety in those last 45 seconds. And you think, God, that's the difference. Like that, like it's, look, I love Martinelli, but in that instance, his inexperience just absolutely shone through in that moment. You know, mm-hmm. because you, I think in the in the Premier League, you got thirty eight games to sort of make amends, and you could still potentially win the league even if you drop points, right? But it's like, and albeit, listen, you get two bites at the cherry in the Champions League or in any European competition, so we do get that another chance. But in that instance, it just it's shone through, like because even even if he hits that ball over Saka, like not under hit it, like in that instance, if you're a player, you could say, okay, either I can hold the ball here, waste a bit of time, okay, or Saka's free. But I got to make sure I hit it over the top. Like it, it can't be short. If it's short, we're, we're in trouble. Well, if we're short, they're going to get possession, and you don't want to tempt fate. And literally, the one thing that he, that I think any player would be like, "Don't do this." He did. <laughs> and you're just like, ah, oh. you know. <laughs> it's just like, damn, you know. And I listen, I love Mark Nelly. I think he's a great player. But I just thought, man, because if, if he overhits that and it goes, you know, say over Saka, Saka can't get to it, right? And it goes out for say a throw in or something like that. Okay, but that's time off the clock, you know. Yeah, and it allows over. it. It's basically yeah, over at that point. Yeah, and it allows us to push up the pitch, you know. We push up the pitch. Okay, fine, cool. You know, but we could. The moment we lost that ball in our half, where we we can't reset our formation, the structure, and we we can see it's like oh, you know. But oh, it is what it is. It's just it is it is a frustrating though. And like I said, I I, I can't see us getting really far in this tournament. I could, you know, I see us getting through, yes. Depending on who we get in the quarters, it could be all over, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. And and we have to look at the actual, you know, shot that goes in. I mean, it's a point zero three. It's outside the box. Do we fault Raya at all? I, I will say that on the commentary, they did, and it did look like this at the time. It seemed like he dove a little bit early. Like, can he take one more step? before making his before making his leap 
and I, I just watched that and I was like, I, I can't tell if I think that's true because it, it, the dive looked awkward. That was the best. That was the most analysis I could get out of it. It was like, that looked weird. Like it just felt like he didn't time that quite right. Either way, it's not a high percentage shot. It's a, it's basically a fluky goal to give up in that scenario. And so just sort of adding to the narrative that like, she wasn't your night. <laughs> Sometimes it's yep. just not your night. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, he might have maybe a real, a fraction of the blame, but like I mentioned, there's probably things prior to that happening that we should have done better to not be in that position, you know? So it's, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, even, I mean, right. I think it was rice that tried to get out, um, uh, to, to Galeno and just didn't quite get there, you know, but obviously he's played what 95 minutes. So he's probably knackered, you, you know, it, look, like I said, it's just, it's, it's such fine margins. You, you don't want to lose your head and be like, Oh, it's all right. So it's like, well, not really. Oh, I mean, for sure. just, yeah. Like it's not like, it's not, I think, I think we can both agree. It's not all his fault. Could he have maybe done a little better? Sure. But does that mean that he saves it? You know, it, it, that, cause that ball was curling in from outside the outside the post. So mm -hmm. even let's say, let's say his form, let's say his form is abs is absolutely perfect. Does, you know, is the probability of him still saving that high? Like, does it get so much more higher to the point where it's, it, it's going to make that much of a difference? I'm not so sure. I don't think it does. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Ryo was just unlucky and it is what it is. Like you said, it wasn't our night. So it, it, we just got to take it on the chin. Yeah, and I think I think to focus on the goal that was given up is it's very results based when that was clearly not the problem in this game. The problem was creation. 65% of possession, 7 shots, 0. 0.42 expected goals for the game. I mean, there's your problem, right? That's the issue in this game. So even if we did say and I would not at all be prepared to say that it was all Raya's fault, or I'm not even prepared to say that I definitely think it was any of his fault. I just thought it looked weird. <laughs> that's that's as far as I can go. But even that, like, to focus on that is to miss the real issue in this game. The bigger picture. 100%. Like, yeah. You didn't create We created nothing. We didn't, we didn't have, we, we had zero shots on goal. Zero. <laughs> right. None on target. So if people are going to say, oh, but Raya conceded, it's like, well, hang on a sec. Like, <laughs> right. For 95 minutes, we didn't have one shot on target. Like, you know, how is that not the issue? That's the issue. <laughs> like, surely we should be at least having one shot on target. That is 100% the issue, right? And so that's the thing you have to fix. You don't have any sort of, you know, there was nothing exposed as far as systemic defensive issues. There is nothing, you know, you know, Saliba fell asleep on the big Galeno chances in the first half. Okay, that happens occasionally. You got away with it. You don't have any real huge systematic defensive issues. You really don't. Uh, you do have a creation problem in this game. And again, it's one game, so you can't really say after having scored 21 in the previous five, so you can't necessarily say you have a systemic creation problem either. I don't think that this game is... This isn't Arsenal getting exposed. This isn't Arsenal getting found out. I really feel like this, the only thing that was probably exposed is what we keep harping on, which is 
you just don't have the experience. You're a little bit naive. It's going to keep you from being a serious contender in this competition, very likely. And even that's hindsight because, like you said, a lot of people were like, no, this is a real contender. And I think if this game taught us anything, it's that we were very much as fans, not as to, you know, to borrow your term, we weren't considering all the variables and some really, really important ones. And so if the only thing that we learned from this game is like, we're not winning the Champions League, almost certainly. I mean, that's okay, fine. You probably weren't winning it anyway, just statistically speaking. So that's, that's okay. I don't think that this team, or I don't think that this game presents a blueprint on how you're going to stop Arsenal in the league or how any other team is going to stop Arsenal in the Champions League. It was just, it was a bad game that was compounded with some outside, you know, some outside factors. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned Saliba, you know, he looked, he looked poor. He looked nervous. You know, once again, a player that's never probably, well, I don't think he, I don't think he did it for any team that he played for on, at this stage, you were out of 16, knockout stages of Champions League. He looked nervous. He looked real nervous. Um, and he's, you know, the Rolls Royce, is, that's what we call him. And he's a Rolls Royce of the defender. Didn't look at, <laughs> didn't look at then, to tell you the truth. Didn't look at uh, against Porto. But once again, inexperience, naivety, just played its part. And yeah, and when, when you, I guess when you couple that, when you couple inexperience and naivety with, you know, a, a tournament that has, I guess, a different feel to it than the Premier League, it's almost like a recipe where you could see as the game was progressing, it was like this this whole melting pot of just, yep, we'll add a bit of this in there, we'll add a bit of this in there. And it's all going to equate to Arsenal uh, performing really poorly. <laughs> like it was just, you know, it just kind of felt like that. But look, we move, we move. I, I'm, I'm not con- too concerned. There is a little bit of concern, but I feel like Arteta in particular is a quick learner. And I think we will see in the return leg um, maybe, you know, a, a sort of a lift, if you will, uh, and a way to kind of combat. I, I, mean, to be honest, I don't think, well, actually, no, I, I'm going to be rephrase. I think Porto are definitely going to come and park the bus because they've got that that one new lead or they're at least going to park the bus and try and get us on the counter, something along those lines. But then they're going to be very structured, uh, maybe a mid-block, uh, something along those lines. That's kind of what they, they did, but it was very much sort of on the sides, on the wings a little bit. Um they really funneled us down the middle. Uh, yeah, it was, it, that's how, yeah, they, 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 they funneled us down the middle so that we would go straight through them. But then the wingers, the, the way their wingers were, were they were, they were quite quick to press depending on, I guess, the, the positioning of some of our players, depending whether it was like our, our fullbacks or Martinelli or Saka. And, they would kind of they kind of encroached us in. They honestly, it was it was actually a very like tactically. I have to give Porto credit because they really they understood they had a plan and they absolutely executed it to perfection. Um, I don't think they deserve to win uh, to win the game, but you know, it's it's funny when you have a shot at goal, what that can actually achieve. <laughs> right, occasionally they'll, they'll go in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, oh, sorry, have a shot on target. I should say. <laughs> Very important distinction. Yeah. Uh, so just about ready, I think, to put this one to bed. Uh, any what, what changes do you expect for the second leg? I, I think, first of all, it's 
the question is we keep expecting to get healthier and it just hasn't seemed to happen yet. So assuming we get a little healthier and we get some of our short-term short-term guys back, what changes would you make for the second leg? I would 100% bring in Jorginho if he's fit. If he's fit, I'd bring in Jorginho. And I would have him with Rice and Odegaard. That's what I would do. Um, I'd probably... I'd probably play Havertz up front as well, if I'm being honest. I just think that might give us a little bit more. I think I think if the Porto players start going down and stuff like they did in this recent game, I don't think it'll work in this next leg as much. It might work a little bit, but I don't think it'll work as much. Because I think when you're playing away in that kind of atmosphere, I think the ref can be swayed a little bit to the home side. I think that's just human nature. Um, so I think having a bit more height in, in the center with Havertz might be a good a good thing to go with. But yeah, I, I definitely think Jorginho has to start for me, in my opinion. Um, and it just depends. It depends on the fitness of all these other players. I mean, if Partey is back, great. I mean, I think when's the, when's the second leg? Is that two weeks from now? Three weeks? I want to say that I was just looking at it for the exact date. Hang on, I've got this. March I think it's 12th. two weeks. Tuesday, it's okay. Tuesday, March twelfth. Okay, so that 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 is what two weeks basically. Yeah, is it? Yeah, no, three weeks. Yeah, it's about three weeks. Wow. Okay. Wow, that's a huge well, gap. A little less, but now, but about three weeks. Yeah. From yeah. The time that's a that massive gap. Listen, if look, I'm I I would hope by then that Thomas Partey is also fit. I mean, seriously, we have well, to start having some. Yeah, sorry. That's plenty of time for party to get fit and injured again. Yeah. If yeah. anything, that's that's too much time. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I just said. Like right. three weeks. So like three I weeks. Would, is... Yeah. I would say you got to hold him. I'd say even if he's yeah. fit, you got to hold him so you can play him in that game so he can be injured again for the rest of the season. You probably only have yeah. three games. I mean, how many league games do we? How many league games do we play? That, that's that's at least what three league. I mean, if if Chelsea get through to the next cup of the FA Cup, we might be playing four league games before. Well, yeah, one, two. So oh, no, sorry, Newcastle, at least. Yeah, you've got uh, three, Newcastle, United, uh, Sheffield United, and Brentford. Yeah, that's, I mean. And then you've got so, Chelsea yeah. after. So you've got a Tuesday, Saturday, uh, Porto, Chelsea. Then you've got the international break before City. Wow. Yeah, look, we got to have, uh, listen, we have to try and keep party fit for that run-in because Porto, Chelsea, Man City, later. That, but that's after the national break. Oh, I tell you, we got here. And I right, think, like hard. I said, I think it, it does. It's going to get hard. It's going to, because I think we do, if we, yeah, I think we do get through against Porter, which means we're going to be in the quarterfinals. So those fixtures are going to be probably what, between Brighton and Aston Villa and Wolves. And then after that, you've got Tottenham away. You've got Bournemouth at home, Man United away. Like, it, you know, Aston Villa at home, Brighton away like that. These are some tough fixtures. So yeah, we need to try and keep, as many players fit. We've got to try and bring back as many players as we can as well. Like, okay, so Partey should be fit by then, you would hope. Jesus, Sinchenko, is Timber going to be fit? And even if he is, he's been out for so long. You, you know, you're probably not going to start him. Like, it's, he's not going to be... Because there's, there's a difference between being fit and being match fit, you know? It's yeah, not like, sure. okay, you're fit, you're fit, but can you play 90 minutes at a high tempo, a high level? Probably not. Um, 
Yeah, and then Tommy Asu, what's going on with him? You know, is is, is he injured? I'm guessing he's injured because how is he? Yeah, not I think there team? was. I think there was some frustration there about that. I haven't seen any training picks either since. Um, well, I guess there wouldn't have been until maybe today, maybe later today, we can get a sense of of who's training. I would imagine uh, they yeah. had yesterday. I'd imagine they had yesterday off after the game. So. Uh, just to finish up, let's get your predictions. What, well, what actually, can I just quickly? Sorry, can I just yeah, quickly sure. just talk about something else, just very quickly? We have to start really having a discussion because we are obviously end of Feb. Um, you know, the season's coming to a close in the next what three months, basically. Uh, so we have to really start looking at okay, the squad of the players that we have, the squad that we have. Who are we keeping and who are we letting go? Because for me, you know, Partey is a great player, but your best attribute is fitness and availability, and he has none of that right now. So, when the January, when the sorry, when the summer transfer window comes, I think we really need to start looking at some of the players that we have in within our squad. Now, obviously, El Nini, Suarez, they're leaving. Contracts are finished. Thank you for your service. Off you go. Partey, for me, we have to look at selling him. He just, like I said, he's a good player, but he's made of glass. Then we've got to start looking at some of the other sort of fringe players that we've got. Inketia, Reese Nelson, you know, these are the kind of players that they, they haven't really, you know, can they play at the highest of highest level? Are they good enough to play for Arsenal? I'm not saying they might be good enough to play for, you know, a mid-table, lower-table team. Are they good enough for Arsenal? I'm not so sure. Then we've got players on loan like Nuno Tavares, Kieran Tierney, Samuel Conga. Already... What's that? That's how many players have I just mentioned? Eight? Eight players? Yeah. Seven so eight, we have yeah. to, yeah. So these are still all players that are on our books. Um, if we are serious of becoming a team that competes on all fronts, like a Man City, and can get deep into Champions League tournaments and deep into, you know, league title races, deep into FA Cups and League Cups, then we really have to look at these guys and say, okay, are you good enough? to keep us in these in these uh, competitions for a decent to at least deep into them and potentially win them for us. For me, I don't think they are, with the exception of Partey. But once again, he's made of glass. So like I said, availability is your best attribute. He doesn't have it. So we have to really look at this now and say, not that we have a sort of like a mini rebuild or anything, but we need, we need to really look at our squad and say, okay, we've got to cull a few of you and ones that are on loan, get rid of them and make sure we try and sign players that are level raisers because otherwise we're going to just keep going through this cycle every, probably every season. No, I mean, I can't say that I disagree. I just, it has long been my contention, not since the beginning for sure, but it has been my contention for, for several months now that re-signing Nketiah, re-signing Reese Nelson these were moves that were made because Arteta and Adu knew that for whatever reason, whether it's taking the FFP rules more seriously or because the investment funds were about to hit their limits of what uh, the Cronkies were willing to do, I think that they realized that there was only so much rebuilding you can do on a year-to-year basis. 100%. Yeah, I and totally so- agree. I don't think that those re-signings were ever made because they truly believed that those players were at the level. 
I, I they were re-signed. Like, they were re-signed to keep their value so they can hopefully maybe sell them and try and get something back in the market. That's that's at least my opinion. And because uh, even my, going on 100,000 pounds a week, you're still talking about five, between five and five and a half million pounds a season, which is way cheaper even for a few seasons than trying to bring in someone on a transfer fee and a larger salary. You couldn't exactly. do it in a particular year because you had other areas that you were improving. This 100%. coming this coming year, this coming transfer window this summer, this is the one that you start to 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 think about doing that. And so I definitely think those things are on the cards. And I, I think that these these were issues. I, I firmly believe these were issues that Arteta and Adu knew were coming up and that they created to avoid other issues. Yeah. And look, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I one hundred percent agree with that. I guess my concern is I don't want us to be keeping the likes of Inketia and Nelson, if they're not good enough, we should be selling them. What I don't want to see is us loaning them out. If we can sell them, let's sell them. Um, you know, like, you know, we've still got, like I said, Kirantini, Tavares, Laconga. I probably missed a couple of names that are out on loan. And look, I know uh, we probably didn't, there was probably no one that wanted them. So we had to loan them out and that's fine. But if, if I think based on, the trajectory of, of of Arsenal Football Club, from what I'm looking at, with the commercial deals that we're signing, you know, the re the re just re-signed the deal with uh with Emirates, an extra twenty million pounds a year. The new deal with Adidas last season, that's like one of the biggest shirt deal sponsors, after like I think Man United and Real Madrid, like it's a huge sponsorship deal. Obviously, London Colney being renamed to Sober Realty, you know, we're, we're making the we're sort of moving in a direction now, where if we want to go to that next step, that next level, I feel like we're in prime position to do it. And for me, it's been 20 years. If we're not going to do it now, then when are we really going to really do it? You know? So, and I'm not going to stand there and be like one of those people, oh, I'm cronky out, all this. You know, listen, to be honest, I don't really care who owns the club, but as long as the club has a level of ambition that I can get on board with. I'm always going to be, okay, cool. You know, and look, we are competing for a league title this season. Are we there on the Champions League front? Probably not. We've been knocked out of the Cups. Probably not ideal, but I'm seeing that progression. And so what I'm, I guess I'm trying to say is that I want us, I'm hoping that we continue to see that progression. I don't want to see Nketiah going out on loan. You know, if we can get something for him, even if it's 10 million, sell him, you know, get rid of him. Reese Nelson, someone comes in, maybe offers like, I don't know, seven, eight million. Cool. Off you go. Thank you. Thank you. But we don't. You, you know. Obviously, you're not in the plans. You know. If we get a if we get a huge offer for, I don't know. Let's say let's say Emil Smith Rowe. Someone comes in and offers you know fifty million plus ten or something like that. Man, we have to consider that. I, I love ESR. I think he's a fantastic player. But these are the kind of players that we've got to say. Okay, listen. You know, if if Crystal Palace comes in and says we'll give you twenty five million for Enkedia, cool, cool, yeah, no problem. Oh, yeah, let's sure. make a deal. Yeah, no, I, the only reason that I, I guess the only reason, or I guess the only thing is I don't, I just don't have a lot of angst about it. I just feel like that it, that I, I feel like this, I feel like it's automatic. We've seen you, you've seen what the last two, three summer windows have looked like. I don't, I, I feel very comfortable with the ambition of the club. I feel very comfortable with their overall talent evaluation. And I feel very comfortable that the funds are going to be there if, the investments necessary. I guess, I guess I just, I, I guess 
feeling I I don't know. I, we have a lot of angst about this and I I feel very comfortable with it. I feel very comfortable saying I am certain. I, I feel 100% certain that Adu and Arteta know what needs to be done. I feel yeah. very confident. It's maybe not 100%. I feel very confident that they will be given the resources and the ability to do that. I hope so too. I honestly, I, 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 just, I, I feel very, I feel very comfortable about it. I really think the the last few years have taught us that there is a direction, there is a plan, and I think even sometimes the things that we didn't see as as part of the plan from the beginning really show us how forward and far thinking Adu and Arteta have had to be in a long term construction project of this squad. If you're short-term thinking, you don't re-sign Nketiah or Reese Nelson. It, you, you don't. You do that, yes, to protect value, but I don't think we've done a very good job of protecting that value with regards to, you know, playing them and actually, you know, putting their talents on display for other teams, which is, you know, why kind of why the loan market exists in part. But I, I do feel like, that there is a plan that is is executable and that has that we've seen be executed. And I think we're just honestly, I think we just have PTSD from those from still from those summers where we all knew what needed to get done and nothing got done. We're all still smarting from the Petr Cech transfer window, right? When you didn't sign a single out when Finger doesn't the sign Kim a single out. I mean, we just and I get it. It's it's it takes more than just a couple of years to get over those things. But for me, I'm way more excited than apprehensive about the upcoming windows. Because I, I just feel like I feel like anything we can see, Arteta and Adu saw years ago and have been planning for, you know, for for several years. Like I don't, I don't know. I, I'm I'm I feel like I'm way more comfortable about it than. Than maybe most fans and that could maybe that's just me being naive who knows oh look i guess we'll find out right it's, well, yeah. it's an answerable yeah. question i guess we'll find out and look from look i guess from my perspective as well i just just to add i i think i look one thing that although i think you i agree edu and arteta they took they've done a really good job of getting rid of a lot of the dead weight that we had i mean listen we had a lot of rubbish players i think that we can all agree there were some players that we had that were just absolute crap um and they've managed to really clear out a lot of the rubbish and change the culture around Arsenal Football Club for the better. Um, and I think, for me, I, 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 what I feel is that I feel like Arsenal are at a crossroads. And I think th there's, there's a potential, I guess, shifting of the tide, if, if you want to call it that. Um, with Jurgen Klopp leaving Liverpool and, you know, with... With with Pep being what? How, how many years has he been? At? He's been there what eight years now? Has he been at no nine years? How long has he been at? I don't know how long he's been at Man City. It's he's been there question. for almost a decade. Let's, yeah, almost let's a just, decade. Let's round up. Yep, I think we are in a such a good place that the opportunity is there for us to potentially become like a dominant team for like a decade, where we end up becoming like the Man City. Of what well, we end up becoming what Man City has become for the past, you know, six, seven, eight years, or you know, a potential Fergie side, you know, where we can just, you know, we, it'd be almost embarrassing 
embarrassing teams. I, I, I do feel that. So when you when you said about how you're, you're comfortable with that, yeah, I totally get it because of the rubbish that we had before. You think about like Socrates and all these, you know, all these guys that we had on our book, Mustafi, <laughs> who we were like, yeah, okay, off you go. Um, I, well, I guess from my perspective, it's like there, there's an opportunity, in my opinion, which, look, I am confident that they'll get it done. And I hope they do. But there is just, I just, I just hope that they understand that opportunity, and like it could be an opportunity that we could set ourselves up for the next ten years, and we could be doing this podcast five years from now, saying, "My God, what, how, how crazy good are we?" You know, it could, it could be like that. I love, I, I love the idea. I mean, I think the model's Liverpool, frankly, just in terms of uh, doing things, quote unquote, we'll say close enough to the right way in terms of a sustainable way. I think that they're probably the model that we have been looking at. Um, I don't think we'll see another city. If, if, if the profitability and sustainability rules are going to have any teeth, then we won't see another city. That, that time no, we won't. No. will be gone once, once those crackdowns are completed. And so, and, and who knows, maybe they saw that too. Maybe they understood that too. And so everybody sort of figured out like, no, the model here is Liverpool. They did it in a yeah. way that was sustainable. They did it in a way that was so intelligent. And I have, you know, I, I hate them, but I have a great deal of res- like grudging respect for how they've gone and done things uh, over the past, you know, decade or so. It's just certainly since Klopp's been there. And, but yeah, and right. when I talk about, when I talk about dominance, by the way, of like Man City, the thing about Man City, right? They, they've got a team. They have built a team, albeit they were able to build it a much quicker because of, you know, maybe skirting around FFP, but, you know, we won't get into that. But allegedly. Allegedly. Um, and so they're obviously able to do it quicker. But what the thing that they do now, really, if you look at them, they don't spend a lot of money. They sort of spend, they'll spend probably what we spend and what Liverpool spends, you know, maybe that 200, 250 million, right? Give or take. So it's very sustainable. Like, what they're doing isn't like they're not going out there and spending what like what Chelsea have done. You know what I mean? They're not spending five hundred million every window. That is clearly no, they had those you know, seasons already. Yeah, so it's. I guess we we could we could get to the level of Man City where we have a team, especially when you look at the recruitment. You know, you mentioned how watching what Edu and United have done. Look at how young our squad is still. You know. Mm-hmm. So if, if we just keep adding pieces and those level, I keep mentioning level raises or I keep saying level raises, right? If we keep adding players that are just a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, eventually you end up, I guess, like a Man City where you have such a good, such, such a good 17, maybe 18 group of players that are so good that you only need to add maybe one or two every season. Maybe occasionally you might get rid of a couple. So you might have to buy maybe three or four but it's sort of like a revolving, okay, cool. We've got, uh, this is our level. We'll just keep trying to refill it, refill it, refill it. Um, and I think we're, we're almost there. So I guess that, to round out my point is that I think we're, we're almost at that point. I look at our team and I go, we've got so many good players. And I think if we just, just a little bit more, three or four level raises, we could potentially be where, okay, we can rotate this player in, rotate that player in, and the level doesn't drop at all. Yeah. Well, that was quite, that was quite a tangent. Sorry, <laughs> felt like that felt like the, that felt like uh, we'll just consider that the transfer window preview pod for me. Oh no, that's sorry, teaser, I just teaser yeah. for for that one. <laughs> sorry. sorry, my bad. <laughs> no, that's fine. Real quick, then, because we want to we want to at least briefly sort of preview Newcastle. 
Uh, your predictions for the home leg? Uh, for Newcastle, sorry? Or for Porto, no, the home for leg Porto. of the, the, the Porto tie. The You're right, okay. Sorry, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say 3-1 Arsenal. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go 2-0. I think we get it done. For what it's worth, and I don't know how much it's worth, but the bookmakers still have Arsenal as favorites to advance. I think I looked this morning, uh, it was minus 250 for Arsenal to advance still. That's significant considering being down 1-0 going into you know the second leg. The bookmakers or the betting public, I don't know what it opened at. <clears throat> the, the betting public certainly seems to still be high on Arsenal advancing from this tie. And I think there's certainly reason to be optimistic about that. Again, everything came together to produce an awful, awful performance that only got a medium bad result. And so in that sense, you're kind of ahead of the game. And I, I don't think that, that it can get any worse. And if obviously, obviously if it can, we're done, but I don't think, I don't think that we're capable of producing that bad a performance against the same team twice in a row. And at home, when you're right, you're not going to pick up 22 fouls. Declan Rice is not going to get a yellow a minute and a half into the game. It's just things will be set up. I will say that the Emirates crowd has a job to do in this one. And that's to make sure that Arsenal get all the marginal calls that Porto got in the first leg. That's the job. And I think that... Yeah, bring out the flares. Yeah, and I think they're up for it. And I I wish I could be there. I would certainly, you know, be screaming and singing and and yelling and all that stuff. I I have faith in in that crowd to get that done. Uh, So let's talk Newcastle. Another team, by the way, which had us looking extremely toothless the last time we played them in an away game. So maybe... Maybe... And, and again, scoring a marginal goal, way more controversial than than this, the Porto goal, obviously. But another game in which a nil-nil draw was probably reflective of the balance of play. And they got one over on us. They made us look incredibly toothless in attack. I really feel like we owe them one. So what do you think we can see in terms of, what do you think we're going to see in terms of adjustments to this one? Or... Again, depending on what the training pictures look like later this afternoon, hopefully. Maybe we, maybe we run the same team out there for the fourth game in a row, and we're in significant trouble if that happens. Don't Newcastle have quite a few injuries? They do. I've got this. I've got this too. My, we've talked about this, and we could do the uh, Sean's parenting failure pod, and that would be probably a good two hours. But just with regards to football – my son is a huge uh, Newcastle fan, uh, not a bandwagoner. He stuck with them through their last relegation. So I got to give him that. Uh, he tells me he thinks that uh, Isak and Willick are both returning. They do have significant, they do and they have had significant injuries. Uh, he said that Isak and Willick are supposed to start. I think that would be a foolish decision for two players with some fairly significant injuries, especially Willick. But I don't yeah. know. He has no faith in Eddie Howe. So. Uh, maybe he's just he may just be slanderizing Eddie Howe maybe to make yeah. it to make okay. feel bad. So they could be slowly getting healthier. We're supposed again, we we have been supposed to be getting healthier for a while, but even then, 
if you've got guys that haven't played in a few weeks, you know, and you, the ideal scenario is that you ease them in, that you get them 20 minutes before you start them, you get them 20 and, and work them in. How do how does Arteta manage? Let's say you have, let's say Jesus comes back, and let's say Tomiyasu is available, and who else? Let's say Party's available. <laughs> Why not? While we're here, let's say Party's available. You obviously they can't. They're not going to start. Do you get Party ten minutes? Do you get Jesus? Can Jesus do thirty? Like how how do you feel like like what do you do with this squad? How do you how do you fix the rotation? in a team that's got this kind of injury problem and, and the number of games just sort of packed in together. Yeah. I don't really think you don't really think you can. I mean, it, it like I said, it just depends on the fitness of, you know, is, I mean, even if, if Partey is fit, are you going to start him? Highly unlikely. No, of course and that, that probably goes the same for Newcastle with, with Isak and, uh, and Willock. You know, I don't think, I don't think they start. I just think they might come off the bench or something like that. Isak might come on for the last twenty minutes if, if you know Newcastle need a goal or something like that. But um, yeah, I just I don't think you can. I think you just got, you got to go with the same team as long. Obviously, barring you know if there's any injuries that we've already picked up from the Porto game, but I don't think there is. I think you just got to go with the same team and just yeah try again, try and fix, try and find solutions within the starting eleven that you played against Porto. Um, and yeah, like you know, we, we, we talked about it before. We've got to wrap Partey up in cotton, cotton wool, you know, and just try is and keep that how we're fit. shipping him out. Just is that how we're packing him yeah. up to ship him out yeah. this summer? Put the okay. stamp on his, put the stamp on his forehead, and say off you go. Thank you very much. Because I one hundred percent just, I just flat out don't believe he's he's going to play significant minutes this season. No. The rest of the season. I so I mean, realistically, no is it worth putting him on the bench then? I mean, yeah. maybe you get, I, I don't know. Obviously you have to, as long as he's part of the squad, you have to keep, you have to keep acting like that. He's going to eventually be healthy. I've yeah. just gotten really cynical about it. I don't think he will. No, but that, that's uh, yeah. based on nothing. That's based on like me being, that's based on me thoroughly believing that like history predicts the future in this case. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you said it's based on cynicism. So, <laughs> you know, so yeah, you're right. A, a hard, a hard <laughs> one cynicism. Yeah. And look, and that's that, you know, that cynicism is, is warranted because of how injury prone he has been over the past, you know, so this whole season, this whole season, but look, just going, you know, getting back, if, if Jesus, I mean, I don't think Jesus is going to be hundred percent fit either. Zinchenko probably not at all. Um, so yeah, like I said, you've got to go with the same team and, we just got to try and find a solution within the starting eleven that we've got. I feel like Tommy Tomiyasu, depending on the severity of what was going on with him, might be the only one you could conceivably start because he hasn't been out that long since the end of the Asia Cup. Maybe. I'm not sure that you'd want to, right? I, I think kibior has been fine. And as long as, as his fitness is fine, I don't see any reason not to, to continue playing him until, you know, you have options that are fully healthy. But Tomiyasu could potentially... It would be the only one that I would would say you could conceivably start. Everybody else, I agree, has to come off the bench. Um, yep. Yep. But I will say this. I will ask you this question as well. So in light of a dispiriting and I would say highly unexpected loss midweek, 
And given the run of fixtures that you have up until the international break, which would be Sheffield United away, Brentford at the Emirates, Porto at the Emirates, Chelsea at the Emirates. How much of a, how much can we sort of hyperbolize how important this game is? Well, look, I think this game is important for a number of reasons. One, obviously, being that we are in a title race, um, and we need we need the three points regardless. We are at home, and we have to give it back to Newcastle on the basis that they obviously beat us at their place earlier in the season, but they also got a draw um, against us last season at home, and we have to try and make amends to try and fix that because we don't. I don't think they deserve to draw. I think we probably should have won the game at home, but they played. Much like Porto played, uh, you know, back uh, last season at the Emirates, they played much like what, what Porto did. You know, they played to the ref, they slowed the game down. It was one of the the ball was out of play for fifty seven minutes or something in that game last season. So it was a brutal yeah. watch. It was so hard to watch. Yeah, it was. Um, and look, thankfully, you know, look, I've always had a go at you know the, the Premier League and the rules, with the PGMOL and all that. But uh, you know, I have to say that the right thing they did was to make extra time to add on like extra extra time so that time wasting just doesn't make sense you know um that's probably one of the few positives that i can think of that the pgmo and, and the premier league and the fa are, you know actually done <laughs> but anyway that's 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 another rant for another time um yeah like yeah, i said save some keep keep your powder dry for the summer yeah okay i will I will trust me. I got a lot to get off my chest. Just start making a list. Yeah, I, no, I will. The, the, the list, the list is all up in my head. Don't worry. Summer <laughs> topics. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, yeah. We got we got to try and get one back. And and obviously, like I said, win a title race. We need three points. So whatever we got to do, we got to try and try and win this game because it doesn't look like Liverpool and Man City are going to let up too much. Obviously, Man City dropped points against Christ- against Chelsea. Sorry, but it's it's you know it's still very tight. And it's two points between three teams. So you can see how tight it's going to be. How much fun is it to actually... I mean, it's terrible in the moment, but how much fun is it to actually have games that matter? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two seasons definitely. ago, three... Well, three seasons ago, we had top four, two seasons ago. But like three seasons ago, you just... You wouldn't imagine being able to completely melt down over, you know, a, a Newcastle at home. And... I think that we're at the point now, thankfully, where I will be part of the fan base completely melting down if we don't win this. And it's it sucks to say it's great to be here because you want to enjoy it, but and and each game is is not always terribly fun. It's why the it's why I think we overreacted to this the six nil and five nil because it's so tense when you're in a title race that any chance you have to for any release you sort of end up overemphasizing what it means in the grander scheme of things and the fact that we got you know two of them in a row we had you know the five millions palace i think in, in many ways we sort of talked ourselves into forgetting and for completely understandably just how stressful all this stuff is and just how important and narrative and season altering all of these games are. So I did ask the question in the outline for the, for this episode, is our season broken if we don't win? Because I wanted to, wanted to really get some hyperbole back in there and, and 
start to recalibrate ourselves to how important and how tight a lot of these games are going to be and how easy it is in the Premier League to drop points. Um, yeah, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't leave you much to work with there, but I mean, like, how much are we going to melt down if we draw this game? Oh, there'll oh, there'll be a huge meltdown. Um, but and it might know. be deserved. That's the thing. Two games in a row in a title race, like you, yeah, you can't. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know one was the Champions League, obviously, but to the extent that you believe that, like, winning is a habit and winning is a culture, it would be a really bad time to not win two games in a row. It would be. It would be. But at the same time. I just think it's this, it's the position that we're in where we've obviously got a lot of injuries. You know, Arteta couldn't really swap out players against Porto because we just we didn't have the bench for it, too many players injured. So it's one of those things where if if, if we do lose this game or we do drop points, a draw or a loss, whatever it is, then it, there would be a bit of uproar. But at the same time, it's like Arteta's, Arteta's hands were somewhat tied, really. You know, what's who's he gonna? If, if players aren't fit, who's he really gonna swap in apart from Hydrogenia? You know, I mean, Vieira hasn't played in months. Can he come yeah, in? He can't maybe start for, him. That's yeah, you, that's exactly. Insane. Yeah. So you know, and it's it's clear that he, I don't, Inkedia and Nelson probably aren't at the top of his list. ESR maybe, but he, you know, once again, he's, you know, is, is he gonna? enough of a level raiser i don't know it's just, it's it's a tough one man we're just in a position where we just got to hope that the starting 11 that we had against porto you know they go away and in training over what train whatever they've done doing in training you know yesterday to today tomorrow they just got to hope arteta the coaching staff and those players are able to just bring bring it home and and look that's what title races really come down to you know there, you look at some of the great teams in the Premier League history, there have been times when you could see that their season was on a knife edge. And there have been times when you've seen teams who were in title races and they've just, they've, it was on a knife's edge and it's either they've either fallen away or they've risen to the occasion. And you could, I feel like, you know, with 13 games to go, we are getting to that point now, you know, where if we drop points here, you know, we go away to Sheffield United, we should really beat them. But you know, you never know. Confidence will be low. All of a sudden, we're falling behind the pack a little bit. What do we do? You know, it's 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 a bit of a knife's edge. Well, and that's true. And and the difference between this and the Champions League is, at very least, this team has now been through a title race. Yep, absolutely. So, so they have that experience. Some of these feelings should be familiar, and you can't yep. do it until you do it. So there's no reason to think that just because it didn't get done last year that it can't get done this year. I mean, and everybody you know has. To- you know, everybody has to get it done for the first time at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the same when we uh, just missed out on Champions League a couple of seasons ago. That's true, too. You, know, you can draw a lot you, of experience from that. Yeah. And you saw the difference. We, we're in the title challenge the next season because they realized, oh, we need top four. We didn't get it. So we've got to lift our game again. And what happened? We almost beat Man City to a title, but they, we didn't, right? So now you would think, okay, we didn't get there last time. Now we've got to go up to another level even more to try and push. But right. let's I see. thought, that, let's see I thought that meant we'd run away with the title and almost get the Champions League. That's the progression. That's how it should have worked. Yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> All progress is linear, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess so. I mean, look, or, you know, what I've been hearing is that maybe I, this is the ceiling of Arteta. I don't know. Man, oh, <laughs> I'm, not, no, I'm not saying I agree with that, but, you know, who knows? I have to think it's not, but I'm... I don't think, I don't think so either, by the way. But I'm kind of in the tank for Arteta, so it's fine. Like, I, yeah. it's okay. Let's get, let's just finish up. We're over an hour. You and I, we have similar philosophies. We like to keep these right about right about an hour. So let's just get quick predictions on a few different games. Uh, so first, obviously, our Arsenal Newcastle. How do you see this one turning out? I'm hoping for a two-one win to Arsenal. I think it's going to go three-one. If there's one place that Newcastle has looked very vulnerable, it's been in their defending. They've given up so many more goals than than they were last season. They're just not as good defensively. I think we can exploit that a little bit. I'm going to go 3-1 uh, to the Arsenal as well. Uh, Bournemouth City. Um, that's uh, it's, it's at Bournemouth, for what it's worth. Yeah, is that worth yeah, it? Yeah, that's worth that a little... like 5-1 <laughs> instead of 7-1 or something? Yeah, I'm going to say... I'm going to go... You know what? I'll go three one Bournemouth. Oh, sorry, three one City. <laughs> yeah, Bournemouth. You almost, you almost got both. Right. You know what? I think yeah. I'm creatively edit that. No, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't, I don't see much of a chance here that this that City's dropping points. Uh, this is another one of those uh, weekends where Arsenal keeps pace. You know, at best, at least with regards to City, chance to pick up points here on Liverpool though, as they are in a league cup final. So how do you see that one? Chelsea, Liverpool, league cup yeah, final. That's, what do you think? Honestly, I hope that goes to like extra time and I hope it goes to penalties. Like I just want the players to be, I want that to be so drawn out so that Liverpool's players just, you know, are out on their legs. Um, I'd also take three or four red cards per team on that one. Yeah. Look, that's this is one that, to tell you the truth, uh, it's like, I couldn't care less for either team, to tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> because one or one's Chelsea and the other one's Liverpool. And my concern would be if Liverpool do win this, which they probably will, because you know Chelsea are garbage at the moment. Um, garbage that City can't seem to find a way to beat. Well, uh, okay, let me. Oh well, okay, let me rephrase that. They're garbage. Uh, I think in against a team like Liverpool, I think they're going to be. I feel like the way that. Arsenal and Man City play kind of like they kind of fall into what Chelsea need the the opposition to play as counter attack because mm-hmm. they want to counter attack and and get on the front foot that way rather than um, but Liverpool aren't like that Klopp's teams aren't like that I just feel with the way Klopp you know they call Klopp style rock and roll and I think that's what it's going to be and I just think they're going to get sorted I I, I think. Um, which I'm concerned because is that going to give them the onus to then say, okay, cool, we won this, now let's go win everything else, and now they're just going to go on a rampage? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not, it... sure, I'm not sure what how either result potentially affects Liverpool's league season. Probably doesn't, or it's probably negligible. But I did yeah, think probably. about that question as well. Uh, I don't know. Who do I pick? <sighs> I'm taking uh, Liverpool. I, I yeah, think Liverpool three one probably. Yeah, that that sounds reasonable. Uh, and we'll leave it at that. So once again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to download. Please give us a like, 
a rating, a review, a subscribe, tell a friend, tell several friends, tell all your friends, even the ones that don't like footy. Tell all your friends. Continue listening. We really, really, really appreciate it. Alex, thank you so much as always. Any final words? Having me. No, just thanks for having me, man. It's been fun. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Fantastic. We will see you next time on the Blackstock Triangle.